I've learned in my life that fear is actually narcissistic. Fear is actually a prideful thing because really what fear is, is I see what I'm called to do or where I should go, but I look at my insufficiencies in light of it. So I'm looking at me to determine whether I'm good enough to accomplish what God is pushing me to or calling me to. And so now I have fear because I'm not, who cares that God called me to do it? I don't feel like I can, even though I see it. What's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Trevor Talks, you know, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today's episode is er, presented by our friends at Life Audio. If it were prevented by them, we wouldn't be doing it. So it is presented by Life Audio, which we're super ecstatic about. They have such supporters behind the show, behind our mission, and really just helping us bring positive messages to people that need them. So special thank you to them for that. And it's been a minute since we've had an NFL personality on. And you know what? You asked for it, and here we are. Today's guest is a former NFL linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys and now serves as team chaplain for the team as well as the Dallas Mavericks. His new book, Fighting Your Battles, is available now wherever books are sold. He is a husband, Bible teacher, and probably your new hero. Please help me welcome Mr. Jonathan Evans. Jonathan, thank you for being here, brother. It's good to be here. I'm glad glad to have the opportunity to share with you, Trevor. Man, it's one of those things where we did an interview with Brian Dawkins um, and we got blew up like or I got everybody was reaching out like NFL, NFL, NFL. And I'm like, I'm not a big football fan. So I didn't really know I had one of the goats on, you know, and now here we are doing it again. I did a little bit more studying for this one now that I know that everybody's like NFL freaks around here. So thanks for being here. (laughs) No doubt about it. Well, you definitely uh, you know, Brian Dawkins, Hall of Famer, uh, you know, that's that's a different level. I, I squeaked in and squeaked out pretty quick. So but I'm ha- happy to have the opportunity of been in there. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you come in and go out so quick? Well, you know, the NFL experience for most players is a lot more difficult than what people see or know. I mean, you, you got uh, NFL really stands for not for long. That's what the NFL stands for. It stands for not for long for most people. You have your your guys who are the the big money guys that everybody knows about. But under those other helmets are guys that are switching teams either during the season or right after the season. I mean, my career, I probably was in there five years and probably experienced six teams. And so it is a hard thing and a hard battle to try to find your way home, to try to find a home and make a home. Uh, and the city that you would like to do so in. But, you know, you just want to get in there. And so it was it was in and out. It was a rough patch for me, but I still, you know, got a lot further than most folks. So I'm still blessed. What are some of the misconceptions that people have about getting signed or drafted to an NFL team that they're like, man, once I get this, my whole life is going to change. What are some misconceptions that you've found along the way? Yeah, especially now being the chaplain. I mean, you have no idea how much those guys – are blessed and struggle at the same time. I mean, they come in, you're 22 years old, 21 years old, you got millions of dollars in the bank, and that brings a a million of problems, okay? So so you have a lot more problems. I mean, from trust issues to family issues to people you haven't seen or talked to who are are claiming connection to you and that they deserve something. I mean, mean, people come out of the woodworks and they have to figure out now how to manage their life as grown men when, you know, in college, you have this whole, you know, system and everybody, 
kind of setting things up for you. In the NFL, you still have a system around you, but it's kind of more of this, okay, personal responsibility that you have now to kind of handle your life off the field. And that just takes that takes a toll. And so it's a great it's a blessing to be drafted. It's a blessing to have that opportunity. But that, you know, to whom much is given a a lot, that much is required. So you just got to remember it stays even. Yeah. And through all of those high moments and even the low moments, like after reading your info and your bio and such, it's been quite the past few years for you. If I'm not mistaken, you've had eight family deaths as well as four miscarriages, which can seem like the most detrimental thing in the world. Like hearing it from surface level right here, it's like, man, that's a lot. That's a lot to go through. And before we dive into everything along your story, um, through all the grief and everything that you've gone through, can you semi give us a rundown of who you are today and what you do on a daily basis? Well, yes. Yeah. So as you introduced me, um, Jonathan Evans, chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys, co-chaplain for the Mavericks. So I do both of those. Uh, there's a story behind that for sure. And uh, I went to Baylor University, met my wife there. Uh, now me and Kanika, my wife Kanika, have five children, 13 to three. So I'm in the middle of the woods with no navigation, just trying to figure this thing out. Uh, so we got five of them, got the basketball team starting five. We're not going to have a six man, that's for sure. Oh, darn. Uh, but, you know, been in, got called to ministry a, a long time ago, but... Uh, 2011, 2012 is when I really accepted it. I went to seminary and came out of seminary and uh, started working with my dad in ministry locally and nationally and with the chaplaincies. And so uh, we're a ministry family. Ministry has always kind of kind of been our life and we kind of see life through that lens. And it's really been uh, helpful as we continue to fight. So that's just a little bit on uh, on who I am. And one thing that I chose to leave out in the like opening fact, because I feel like if I were in the same position, I would want like to be introduced of like who I am and not who my family is. But you do come from that Evans dynasty of just solid biblical teaching, right? You've got Dr. Tony Evans, you got your sister Priscilla, like your brother. It's incredible just to see like God's put a blessing of protection, like an umbrella around you and your family to just be able to continue to show up. Is that something that you feel came from like your family genes that God has blessed you with? Like you're not going to give up. You're going to keep showing up, whether it's NFL, whether it's the miscarriages, family deaths, like all of these things, you still continue to show up on a daily basis. Where do you think that started with you? Yeah, I think that started around the table. I think one key thing that people can think about um, is that table time. My dad and my mom always brought us around the table for dinner. That was the time. And so Monday through Thursday, we were together as a family. You know, back then it was just TVs. We were still mad we weren't watching it, but it's just TVs that were on that had to be turned off. Um, and then we come around the table. The rest of the house was dark. The light, was, the light on the table was the only thing that was on. And Monday through Thursday, not Friday because we would go out to eat, but Monday through Thursday, um, we would sit there and my dad would literally go around the table, talk to us, ask us what's going on. My mom would just, they would both be in our business, you know, and we'd have great laughs, great talks. But then at the end, my dad would always pull out the Bible and teach us scripture. And he would have one of us read it, tell him what we thought it meant to which, you know, Tony Evans would normally say, aunt, you're wrong. This is what it really means. Um, and then he would go into teaching us how to apply this in our life. What does it mean? He, he just, he just trained us around that table, him and my mom both. And so we spent our whole childhood trying to run away from the place that was actually going to run into us when we needed it the most, uh, cause you're kids, you know, you don't understand what you're getting at that time. 
But, you know, I would encourage anybody because what we're doing now in my family is the same thing. They got a lot more gadgets to turn off, but we get around the table and I just take that opportunity to lead my family. You know, you can lead your family for an hour to an hour and a half every day if you just show up to the table, whether that's breakfast, lunch or dinner. A lot of times dinner because after work, but that's what we did. And so that set the foundation. You know, it's hard to build a foundation when you're in the middle of a storm. So you can build it before the storm or you can reconstruct it after the storm. But while the storm is going, you have to just determine what you built before during the storm. I mean, you got to determine whether it's going to weather through it. And I think that that foundation that we built um, early on, my dad built that for us, my mom and dad, around that table, building in those teachings, having that time, having those laughs, having that camaraderie, having that community um, really bowls well to not leave your training when you face a trial because that's the temptation temptation that are common to men. So it's common to men uh, to, to, be, to, to react emotionally. It's common to react uh, based on your circumstances and not your faith. That's a common reaction. Um, but we have, a, we have an uncommon faith and we're called to be peculiar. And so I learned that early on and um, I'm blessed to be able to administer that even when it's hard. You know, you don't want to leave your training. And that's what most people do is leave their training in a trial. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Yeah. I think half the battle is just continuing to show up and then having that right. faith and the community around you to really just rally around you, not necessarily be there to be like, yeah, good for you. Good for you. But no, like they want to, you want them to be praying for you to like lift your arms, like yep, help it. me in this, help me get through this. And it's biblical. And I think it's safe to say like you and your family were actively fighting those battles around the table, uh, which leads me to your book, fighting your battles. One thing that it says in your description is it isn't another keep the faith mantra book, with surface level encouragement, what does this mean to you? Where did this book concept come and why do you think it's so important to release now? Well, yeah, I think it's important because everything that I've gone through, listen, you're either in a storm or a battle on your way to one or you just came out of one. Those are your only options in life. And um, I wanted it to be practical, not pie in the sky. I wanted to walk with you. Um, there are QR codes throughout the book that you scan and videos come up of me sharing personal stories, me sharing with uh, my wife is in there sharing about our four miscarriages, our family losses, all of those different things and how we felt, but also how we battled through. And so we wanted to create a community with the book and not just have another resource that's on the shelf. Um, but I think it's important because, um, yeah, keep the faith. All of those things are important. 
but there's some understanding that has to go into it to make sure that we don't surrender. And as Christians, if we surrender, that we don't get to experience the fullness of our salvation. Salvation is not just for heaven, it's for earth. That's why it says, the Bible says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Uh, because there's something that's been worked in that has to be worked out to continue to experience it in the here and now. And so I just think that it's important for us to understand. And one of those major things is uh, that I had to learn on a practical level is really learning that I have to be a steward of what I go through, not an owner of what I go through. See, people think stewardship is just for money or for how you handle materialism or for things. No, the Bible says the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Second Chronicles lets you know the battle doesn't even belong to you. The things that you're going through, those aren't yours either. <laughs> it all belongs to God. So if it all belongs to God, then why am I so burdened by it? If it all belongs to God, then why am I trying to manipulate its outcome? If it all belongs to God, then why don't I give it to him? And me and God can make a trade. Hey, God, I'm going to, by prayer and supplication, without anxiety, without worry, I'm going to make my request known. And I'm going to pass you the ball on this burden or this trial that I'm going through. And I'm going to let you give me a peace that surpasses all understanding. And why is it a peace that surpasses all understanding, Trevor? Well, it's because you don't understand why you have it. It's because what you're going through is so miserable and so hard, but you're able to uh, be steady in the misery. And that has to do with learning to pass God the ball and realizing that, you know, you're definitely stepping in God territory when you're losing your mind. Evidence of you being in God's territory is you losing your mind. And the reason why you're losing your mind, because you're not him <laughs> and you can't do what only he can do. And so those types of things and how we think through this um, was the reason why I wrote this book, because I really wanted to challenge us to not give up so that we can experience why we went through. Wow. You've played pro football, you're a multi-team chaplain, and now you're an author. Was any of this even in on the table for you growing up? Was this an aspiration of yours, or did God surprise you with all of this along the way? Well, that's funny you mentioned that because I've wanted nothing to do uh, with ministry in the sense that I do anything that my father and mother did because anytime, you know, you're, it's like Michael Jordan's son playing for the Bulls. You know, it just doesn't work <laughs> out that it's not a good idea for you to follow that, okay? And so I ran from it, so it wasn't in the cards. But while I was running, God was chasing. And mm. uh, I used sports as a vehicle through which, you know, sometimes we can use things that we're passionate about to actually run away from the that pushing the prod of the spirit that's knocking on the door of your heart for where you should be going or how you should be using your gifts. And I did that. But long story short, I made, some of this is in the book. I tore my Achilles tendon. That was one of the... The things that I did, I had other injuries, but I tore my Achilles and I was probably 28, 29. So I'm getting close to, once you hit 30, you know, you're a little iffy then, you know. Uh, unless you're and, Tom Brady, uh, but. <laughs> yeah, unless you're Tom Brady. Tom Brady's got the fountain of youth. Um, but I just remember uh, being on the ground, kind of yelling and laughing at the same time. I'm in pain, but it's funny. And the guys came over to me and they were like, man, what are you, what are you laughing about? What's going on? I said, you know, God is not going to continue to let me to walk in a direction he's calling me away from. And I've been saying no and running back into these training camps, running back into these locker rooms so that I can have it my way. And he's saying, you know, you're going to walk with a limp now and you're going to do what I asked you to do. Just like Jacob, Jacob would walk with a limp when he wrestled with God. And I remember going into seminary 
after fighting with God for about six straight years with the NFL. And as soon as I got in there, probably about four months, I got a call to become the chaplain for the Cowboys. And I've been doing that now 11 years. And God taught me that it wasn't that I didn't want you to run out of the tunnel. It wasn't that I didn't want you to have that long career in the NFL with one team. It's just that I was waiting for you to obey me so I can give it to you. Like I wanted to, I wanted to give it to you my way, not your way. And so you went through all that and it was necessary, but it brought me to the realization that, you know, while submission is hard, it's a part of, it's a part of overcoming and what you're going through to experience why you went through it. And so now Trevor, there's not a player in the league that can tell me something that I haven't been through myself. So I'm not just ministering from a place of, I read the Bible and went to seminary. I'm ministering from a place of, I've been carted off the field. I've been cut. I've been traded. I've been rejected. I've sat in dark rooms. I've been first string, second string, third string, special teams, not going to play, not dressed. So I've done all of those things. So when a player has a problem, he's not coming to someone who cannot sympathize with their problem that they're having. And so that's the same thing Jesus did for us. And he takes us through that same process. And that's encouraging to hear because when you hear a team chaplain, you're like, oh, they just found a pastor or somebody a little bit more relevant and well-known in their city to come like pray over the team, talk to them. No, like you're actively pursuing the role of a pastor for a football team. And the one thing that you have to think about with football teams is I can imagine you've got Christians, atheists, agnostics, you've got people of all different walks of life, but – they also know that you've been there and done that. So no matter what they believe, they're going to respect the fact that you've been there, you've done it, and they hear it out is what I would imagine. That's how I would be anyway. Um, can that's you, exactly uh, it. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it because the guys – and it's the same thing when you're going through stuff in regular life. When you talk to somebody – normally people go to talk to somebody who they know has just gone through that. Like I know so-and-so just went through that separation or just went through that – Um, bout of unforgiveness or just went through. I know that they don't have a dad either. Like I know that, and you go talk, how did you get through this? Like, how did you break through? So you find comfort solace, but also just you, you find confidence in going to people who have an experience that you're currently experiencing. And so that's why we find that confidence to go to Jesus because Jesus was, you know, lived a life of trauma. I mean, from the time he was born, they were trying to kill him. In his own hometown, they tried to throw him off a cliff. You know, they tried to stone him. He was betrayed, rejected. So he just lived a whole life of trauma. And so and so he takes us, he allows us to experience that trauma in different ways so that when the next man or woman has a problem, there's someone they can actually go to. Can you recall a time where you were actively chasing your passion to the extent that you thought that was God's will from your life? You argued with him about it. You told yourself it was his will, and then everything just crumbled around it because it wasn't? Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's that's a, a big part of my uh, you know football story is that exact thing, is that a lot of times I didn't realize that I was getting God to sign off on stuff he wasn't really saying. And... You know, it, it's it's one of those things, you know, people think God is talking to them when it's that voice in their head that's telling them what they want to do anyway. No, that's your voice. That's why it sounds like you, you know what I mean? That, that's your yeah. voice in your head telling you uh, what you want to do. And, you know, and so in, in, in football, that's what was going on is I was talented. I had passion for it. I was good enough. I could play. It's what I've always done where I was comfortable. Um, 
But there was this slight discomfort that kept knocking on the door of my heart. And that slight discomfort that makes you kind of look this way and continue to say, no, nah, I'm good. It's that one thing in your life over and over again, whether it's, uh, you know, reconciling, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's uh, just a battle. Do I want to get back, you know, have conversations with my dad or I mean, whatever you're going through and you kind of say, no, nah, I'm good next week. No, nah, I'm good because nah, you're comfortable. And I had to decide, do I want to be comfortable or do I want to be called? And those two don't always go together. Um, and, and as I look at my life, as it relates to a lot of things, but football in general, is that God was taking me out of my comfort zone to put me in my calling zone. And those two things uh, work together a lot. It's interesting. Earlier, you brought up worry and anxiety. Has that been a role in any of the decisions that you've made throughout your careers? Um, and how did they affect you? How did you get past it? Yeah, I think um, worry and anxiety, especially fear. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times I didn't want to step into what God was calling me to do due to fear. That was a big battle. And fear is really, most people don't see it, but I've learned in my life that fear is actually narcissistic. Fear is actually a prideful thing because really what fear is, is I see what I'm called to do or where I should go, but I look at my insufficiencies in light of it. So I'm looking at me to determine whether I'm good enough to accomplish what God is pushing me to or calling me to. And so now I have fear because I'm not, who cares that God called me to do it? I don't feel like I can, even though I see it. And so it's really um, a prideful thing for Moses to say, who am I to go to Pharaoh? That's basically what he said. Why would you call me to go do that? And God said, I am who I am. In other words, why are you talking about you? I'm the one who sent you over there. And so I had to overcome the idea that it's not going to be the power of God working through me, but it's going to be just me absent of his power. Um, and in, until I got there, I was living in anxiety and worry because, again, I was bearing the burden upon my own shoulders. I was bearing the burden upon my own shoulders to be able to handle what God is putting on me. And, you know, many people think that God will not put more on you than you can bear. Well, that's not in the Bible. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And a temptation and trial are two different things. And so God will oftentimes l let you carry the weight that he's trying to take from you so that you can realize at some point you got to give it to him. How would you encourage someone that's trying to manage all that weight all by their self to just drop it? Like, I know it's not going to be a one and done fix, or it could be. God can do it. Not saying he can't. Yeah. But for the most part, how would you encourage people to just drop that weight and let him handle it? Yeah, I think that they have to understand uh, when you actually drop it, what that means. What that means is you're no longer trying to manipulate the outcome by your own strength. One of the things that will drive you absolutely bananas is when you're trying to manipulate, not in a in a manipulative way, but you're trying to change the circumstance. So that wayward child, you're doing everything you can to get them to make the right decisions, to get them to go the right way, to get that person to treat you right, to get that person to whatever it is. And so you're losing it because you're like, how can they not see it? How can they not understand? How can... Because you're taking it upon yourself to be the change agent in that person's life. And it doesn't mean that your influence is not important, but it does mean that we understand we're not in control. And so once you get that, you realize, you know what? God is the one who's the owner. 
He's not only the owner of me, he's the owner of my children. Bible says, let us be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with my image. So they're supposed to look like me. They're not, I mean, they look like you as a byproduct coming from you, but the real, the realization is they're supposed to look like me. So whatever it is, is that we no longer are manipulating the outcomes and the burden becomes lighter. The burden doesn't go away, but it should become lighter if you are trusting in the Lord to make the path straight and you're not trying to straighten it yourself. Um, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Okay. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Learn from me. And what that is, Trevor, is a picture of two ox, a big ox and a little ox plowing the field. The big ox is supposed to carry the load while the little ox learns from the big ox. So they're still taking care of the responsibility, but the little ox is not carrying the burden. And once you learn how to trust God, really depend on God, really, you're not being irresponsible. You're just being spiritually responsible, which will make you more naturally efficient. That's so good. How important is community and mentorship to you from a level of having someone that's been there and done yeah. that to walk alongside you spiritually? Yeah, just important as important as it is. Um, it's just as important as it is in football. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this life that we're living is a is a team sport. So you run to the line of scrimmage if you want to by yourself. That's not going to bowl well for you. And I think that people do that in life is that they run to the line of scrimmage uh, in their family, in their marriage, in their school, in their relationship and how they handle their decision making. And they do it absent of anybody else that wants to go in the same direction, wants to hold up their arms, wants to see them succeed uh, spiritually. And um, and when you do that, you do the opposite of what the Bible is wanting us to do. Um, a brother is born for a time of adversity, the Bible says. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. The Bible says uh, uh, bear one another's burdens. And so it is a very communal book in the way that it's trying to get us to operate and our in our own way. Again, we want to handle it ourselves and we want to take our own initiative to try to fix problems, either because we're embarrassed. We don't want people to know. Uh, we don't want to go to counseling and therapy and those things that can really help heal because um, I'll be giving myself away. And the Bible saying, yeah, you will. When you lose your life, you actually find your life. If you try to keep your life, you're going to lose your life. So the Bible keeps telling you, no, give it away. Uh, put yourself in a position to succeed. And you can't do that with no, with no teammates. It's a team game. That's incredible. It's yeah. one thing to like see it and see everything played out in someone's life. And it's another thing to hear it. I don't think that it's possible to pursue things with your calling without having those people to champion you along the way. And especially when you speak in football perspective, like that's completely out of my league. Like my (laughs) brothers are all into football. Like I was never the one that was out there playing, scrimmaging, any of that. I never even tried. I was like, nah, like that's not for me. I'm going to get snapped in half. Like everybody's got their gifting and mine had (laughs) nothing. Yeah. Like mine had nothing to do with sports. So I'm like, "Eh, yeah, y'all can, y'all can have that one. But it's it's encouraging to hear all this from you, seeing that you came from such a spiritual family. You've walked through your own walk. Your story is not Priscilla's. Your story isn't Anthony's. Your story is Jonathan's. Like right. you have been through 
everything that you've gone through to where somebody can hear from you now and feel encouraged to just keep pressing on and walking. And with that being said, if there's someone out there that feels as if their dreams and aspirations are too far away to achieve, what is your message to them today? Well, you know what? Win today. Um, when we get so caught up with the finish line or what's going on tomorrow and the next day, and there, today has its own uh, things that need to be conquered. And if I can win today, then tomorrow comes and I can just win tomorrow. Then the next day comes and I can just win the next day. Then you string together a series of wins. And when you string together a series of wins, you string together a series of wins for better outcomes. And so just keep it simple. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with or whatever you want to see for your life, you want to win today and win the next day spiritually and responsibly. And if you keep on stringing those things together, um, it, it, it'll serve up something that's a destiny that's that, that was worth winning for. Come on. And where can people learn more about fighting your battles and even pick up their copy of the book? Yeah, no doubt about it. You can get it wherever books are sold. Get on Amazon. Write a review. I'd love to hear what you feel and what you thought about it and how it helped you. And um, you can also check me out on Jonathan Blake Evans. That's dot com, social media, Jonathan Blake Evans. That's incredible. And all that stuff, all the links will be in the description. And Jonathan, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. This has been beyond encouraging. I feel like I just got out of a football locker room. That's right. And um, I've never been in pads or anything, but I feel like I'm ready to go now. So thank you for all the encouragement that you spread with us today. Yeah, no doubt about it. And for everyone listening, be sure to go pick up a copy of Fighting Your Battles wherever books are sold. We love you all so much. Special thank you again to Life Audio for making this episode happen. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye now. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.